Ohio State gets a berth in the Rose Bowl. Back to the granddaddy of them all. How jacked up are you for a New Year's Six game that ain't a playoff game? And what about Michigan versus Cincinnati? Huh. Uh, well, let's talk about it in this edition of the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance, along with my co-host and partner in crime, the one, the only, Johnny Ginner. Johnny, <laughs> I'm actually not the only Johnny Ginner, but I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> you know, in truth, uh, it's funny. Every now and then I'll get a wild hair and Google my own name and realize I'm not the only Andy Vance either, even if I'm, you know, the center of my own little universe. Yeah. Uh, there's apparently a trio somewhere, a musical group that's the Andy Vance Trio. There's an that's Irish fantastic, an Irish political dissident, um, a uh, would-be uh, legislator in the state of West Virginia, and a pastor somewhere. Uh, mm. All share my name, so I hope they're every bit as handsome and erudite uh, and scholarly as I am. Let's get right into the big money, Johnny. The Rose Bowl when I was a kid was the end-all be-all of postseason sports play. I, sure. I grew up like I maybe you did as well, like a number of listeners did, thinking the Rose Bowl was where it was at. To get to the Rose Bowl was all you ever wanted and more. To win the Rose Bowl was magic. That that was what really mattered. And then the playoff came along and you know changed things just a smidge. How did you feel about Ohio State coming in at, what, number six in the CFP and getting – the big tens birth in the granddaddy of them all. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a consolation prize. Right. And and that's not, as you said, it's not how we grew up with it. And I remember one of my first football memories actually is watching the, uh, the Rose bowl with my dad uh, when they played Arizona state and, you know, he was trying to bet me that they wouldn't win the game. I was like, no bet, no bet. Uh, <laughs> Cause I was just, you know, I was freaking out. It was great. It was an incredibly fun experience. And, you know, obviously it turned out well for Ohio state, um, but it definitely had that, that juice, right. That the Rose bowl mystique kind of brings with it. And you, you, you think of Keith Jackson and, you know, all the, you know, different things that come with it, the parade, and you know, the week leading up to it where they're doing all those fun things. And, and it's, it's a big, loud, amazing example of the pageantry of college football, but it doesn't mean that much now because of the playoffs. So, you know, I'm going to still enjoy it, I think, from an aesthetic point of view, but Ohio State's probably going to have a number of guys opt out, which is completely fair, right? Because, I mean, especially if you're a wide receiver, you're not going to try to tear something um, and, and hurt your draft stock. Uh, but it's it's weird. It's just a weird kind of thing because I'm not nearly as hyped up at, for a Rose Bowl berth as I would have been even 15 years ago, where if somebody told me that Ohio State was going to the Rose Bowl, I'd be psyched. Um, but that's not really the case right now. All right, let's talk about that since you mentioned a number of players opt out. What's the over-under you're setting there? Are there any particular players that you have in mind that you think, oh, this player is clearly going to to go to take a flyer on the Rose Bowl? Yeah, I mean, I would think that, like, you know, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, like, I don't know why they would play. <laughs> you know, I don't think that's helpful for them at all. Um They'd have nothing to prove. No, no NFL team's going to be like, you know, I'm kind of, I don't know that I'm completely sold in this Garrett Wilson cat. I got to see how he's going to perform in the Rose Bowl against Utah. Yeah, but is that the only reason to play in that game, though? I I mean, I guess, are we at that point where the only thing that matters is if if you're a draft eligible football player, is that the only thing that matters is what it means for your draft stock? I mean, kind of. I mean, like, seriously, if you're Ohio State, if you were not Ohio State, let me put it this way. If you're not Ohio State, 
if you're Purdue, right, and you find yourself in the Rose Bowl, or if you're Northwestern, you find yourself, then no, that that's a huge deal for you. It's a you know New Year's game, big prestige, all that good stuff. If you're Ohio State, then yeah, that is what that means, because your goal is to get in the college football playoff every year, and having not done that, I you know, I think it is. I think that's kind of what the situation is, and it's just it's changed, and it kind of sucks for the Rose Bowl in general, but um you lost to Michigan. <laughs> Don't lose to Michigan. How about that? One of the things I, this question kind of bothers me a little bit because, and I don't disagree with your analysis, by the way, the, the, the question bothers me that this is only the 16th time in history that Ohio state's played in the Rose bowl. And there was a great mm-hmm. period of history where the Rose bowl was the goal, right? If you were oh, sure to, to be the big tens representative in the Rose bowl, that that was it. There was nothing more beyond that that you could possibly want. Yep. And and Ohio State's only been there 16 times in, you know, a century plus of, of gameplay. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting here saying, like, eh, eh, yeah. you know, if you're if you're if you're a draft eligible player, why would you play in this game? And, and I just wonder, and this is one of those esoteric things, you know, in the short run, clearly, if like you're worried that i could get injured in this game and it would cost me draft position or something along those that's a that's a financial consideration right that's a business decision as they say but there's a part of me that wonders you know if you are one of the players in this crop of athletes who makes that business decision when your nfl career is over or when you're talking to your grandkids about your college playing days you know, will you look back with some measure of regret and say, damn, I wish I'd played in the Rose Bowl? Probably not. <laughs> I, I'm, no, I'm I mean, like, I'm being I mean, real clear, though, I mean clearly like, you have kind of devalued in your mind yeah, the, the Rose look, Bowl. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but I, and maybe it's just because of my about, generation. Like, I think that would be a right. regret I would have. Okay. But that's because, you know, we're in our mid to late thirties. Chris Olave is what? 20. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it, it's just your perspective on everything, you know? And I don't, now he's from San Diego. I, I'm not sure that Chris Olave is the best example there because would that him growing up in Southern California, this is a chance for him to play for the home crowd, so to yeah, speak. Like, and, I, and that does mean something. I'm not going to take any. That, that, maybe it, maybe it doesn't. Point. I don't know. I mean, I don't know Chris Olave. Obviously, no. Like, you know, but that's not, he's not calling me up. Being like, motivation. man, I'm jacked up about this. And it, sure. No, I think there are guys who who that is an important motivation. You get to play for people who normally would not see you, right? Especially if you live across the country. I think that that's definitely a factor. I think that's, now, that's now Garrett Wilson. You know, he's from Austin, Texas. Maybe the Rose Bowl doesn't mean anything. Yeah, he's like, like I want to go to the Cotton he, Bowl. He, damn he's, it, right. He's not even coming from the Big Ten footprint. You know, the Rose Bowl footprint. So so that one. Okay, maybe that's a. Maybe that's a a, yeah. a better analogy. That I'm just saying, if I go to the NFL and I make, you know, thirty million dollars over the course of my playing career, fifty million dollars, whatever it is, I don't know that I'm going to be like sitting around after I retire, going, "Damn, <laughs> really, really wish I would have played in that that one meaningless game that didn't allow Ohio State to I th- play." See, I, I think this bothers me, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to just pick nits with you, but it no, it no, really I does fine. It, I think it's a, a lot symptom of. Yeah, it's a symptom of the greater problem. And I don't know if I think expanding the playoff, which I think we both agree is going to happen at some point in what format and how soon, you know, remains to be determined. Uh, An Alabama versus Georgia rematch in the national title game maybe could spur it along a little more quickly. I don't know. We'll get to that later. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, but, but But it bothers me that for a great chunk, I mean, and, and I'll be honest, I... I'm guilty of this too. The second Ohio State 
lost to Michigan, I turned to my wife and said, well, football season's over. Right. And, and, and I meant that like in, you know, like I didn't care about anything else that happened after that. Now, after the heat of that, you know, emotional reaction, I'm excited about them playing in the Rose bowl. Like I would mm-hmm. have given serious consideration. We're taking some other family trip, but I would have given serious consideration to going and watching this game because the Rose bowl means something. It bothers me that now sort of our default setting is anything outside of the three games in the playoff is meaningless. I, because well, it, and like I, I said, mean, we've that's... reduced this down to it's just and yeah, it's just about the money. Well, I think that's part of it. But I also like I said, I, I think part of it, too, is just part and parcel of Ohio State success. I mean, again, if Ohio State is a perennial... so, it's, so it's situational, in other words. Like yeah, if... because, you know, if it's Northwestern, then no, I don't I don't think you see the same you know kind of players sitting out or the same number of players sitting out or whatever. Uh, but it's not Northwestern. And, and that's what the that, that's what comes along with being a team that expects to win a national championship every year. And, now, and so if the Rose Bowl isn't going to be the championship game, then that's not what you're trying to get into. I want to I want to push back on something, though. If I'm if I'm Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, let's just say as our test cases here. Sure. Setting aside. I mean, they could be from the moon, not South Car- not not Southern California. You know, mm-hmm. so maybe there's no tie there. Just the, the random players who are potentially playing in this game yep do you really want your last memory Mm -hmm. of playing as an ohio state buckeye to be losing to michigan yeah and that's i think that's significant too there that is definitely a motivating factor for a lot of players where they're like i want to go off on a high note i don't want to you know especially a loss to michigan that's that's rough um but you know, again, like right now, <laughs> they've got people talking their ears to tell them exactly how much money they can be expect to be making in a very short period of time. And I just, I, I don't know. I, I guess from a practical standpoint, I don't see how they risk anything in a game where they don't really get a whole lot out of it tangibly. Like it just, you know, the Rose Bowl is a, like I said, a great example of why college football is fantastic and amazing and just, you know, got steeped in history. I think it's what, like the 108th edition or some crazy thing like that. Um, but for individual players, I, I just, I cannot fault them for choosing their future financial security over a single game. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not saying that you do. I mean, I, I know that you know, it's, it's a personal consideration for every player, but it's just, it's, it doesn't bother me as much because I want to see Ohio state win a national championship. (laughs) Like I'm still salty, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm still pissed about losing to Michigan. So maybe that's why my, my zeal for the Rose bowl, which, you know, I, again, I grew up watching, I I would watch it regardless of the teams that were playing it because it's such a great example of college football. Uh, But right now I'm not all about it just because, um, I wanted to see Ohio state in that, in that playoff and they, they blew it. Well, we've so. got, uh, let's see, three weeks, really three, three, you know, call it four weeks to get you jacked up for this. So we'll see if you can <laughs> try to muster. The, the some... matchup's interesting. I'm, I'm interested in the Utah matchup. I think that'll actually be a really kind of fun game to watch. So I, I'm, I think that'll be cool. And obviously I'm going to watch it, enjoy it and everything like that. Uh, but I just, I got to get into the teams a little bit more. I got to start thinking about matchups and, and what it'll look like and that kind of stuff. And I think I'll be more excited. We're going to take a look at Utah as an opponent coming up, uh, in, in a few moments, you mentioned it's the 108th Rose bowl, Ohio state 16th appearance. 
second appearance in the past four years. The Buckeyes own an eight and seven all-time record at the Rose Bowl. Mm -hmm. They're on a three-game winning streak, including that win you mentioned, the 2017 over Arizona State in 97, 26-17 victory over Oregon in 2010. That was a fantastic game. And a 28-23 win over Washington in 2019, which oddly enough seems like a lifetime ago uh, because of the COVID pandemic and not getting to play uh, a real full season a year ago and so on. It just seems like it's been forever and a day since that Washington game. And of course, it's a much different Ohio State team than played in that game. Right. I, I want to talk about the rest of the playoff before we zero in on uh, the Buckeyes opponent, Utah in specific. So looking at the, the rest of the playoff field, the, the top four going into this thing and, oh, God, it, it, it hurts me to say this, but you look at a, uh, a top four that is Alabama, that team up north. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati and Georgia. What an interesting field. And <laughs> if you had those four on your dance oh, card God. in September, uh, let's talk because I'd like you to pick my Powerball numbers for yeah, me. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Was this the field that that you expected, you know, heading into the reveal show? What were your reactions? And I and I said the seeds backward. I guess that's Georgia, then Cincinnati, Cincinnati the four seed. Uh mm. did the did the playoff committee get it right? How did you feel about it? Uh, with looking, you know, acknowledging that first out was Notre Dame, one loss Notre Dame, mm. and and then number six the Buckeyes. Right. Uh, thoughts on yeah, the final I think they six? Got it. I think they got it right. I don't know even the order. I don't think there's much to quibble with. I think that's probably uh, an appropriate way to to put those teams. And also, I mean, yes, it does set up another you know sec title game i don't think anybody actually wants that um but on the other hand i don't want a michigan cincinnati title game because that's my nightmare and i don't yeah i mean that is really your doomsday <laughs> scenario isn't it it's just worse yeah it's terrible i don't need that in my life at all um and what really i just i hate the fact that it's really eminently possible in michigan like if, if i'm talking about like the team that i absolutely do not want to see win a national championship i mean michigan's at the top of that list right that's not that's not for debate i i have my own personal reasons not to want cincinnati football to be successful but more than anything i do not want michigan to win a national championship that would be horrific on so many levels um but I think it's a very real possibility because if you look at these four teams and maybe this is just the result of college football in general in 2021, but there, there isn't any one real dominating team. I mean, Alabama is in the field because they just took out the, you know, ostensible best team in the country um, pretty convincingly. So, you know, the teams that look like they have the most momentum going into this are absolutely Michigan and Alabama and I don't know. There's just no good options here. <laughs> it's just, it's not a fun play. I'm, I'm going to watch. I'm, I'm really interested to see how it's going to play out. But uh, I think Michigan's got as good a shot as winning this thing as literally any other team. Um, and Cincinnati, too, honestly. Like, it's, that's what's kind of wild about this. So, I I don't know. Andy, what, so, let me ask you this. Of the four teams, which one would you be least upset to see win a title? Alabama, but Al really, Al bar, so bar not Georgia. I have no hate in my heart for Alabama. I mean, I I get why people, and and maybe Ohio State fans in particular, and I get aggravated. I mean, I was railing early in the season when Alabama was chalked up as number two, so yeah. early in the process. I I did think that was a bunch of garbage in my contention at the time, which by the way proved to be correct. 
was that it was set up specifically to put Alabama and Georgia in the playoff, regardless of the outcome. And I still maintain regardless of the outcome of the sec title game, the only outcome that would have kept Alabama out would have been if Georgia beat them by three or four touchdowns. Yeah. It it would have had been a blowout. I, I think a close game, just flip-flops and and maybe what you ended up with in a close game where Georgia won would have been Georgia, maybe actually Michigan, Georgia, but probably Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, uh, Alabama. Alabama. I yeah. think that would have been the most the most likely outcome. Um, I, I think if I were a Notre Dame fan, I'd probably be spitting mad uh, that <laughs> that they gotten left out. I well, do, they should be mad for a lot of reasons right now. <laughs> actually, no. You know what? I think they should be the happiest people on earth because they got rid of that uh, blood sucking parasite of a former head coach and got a huge upgrade, at least in the quality human department and, and Marcus Freeman. If I were a Notre Dame fan, I think I'd be thanking my lucky stars. We'd excised a cancer and they basically uh, keep their entire coaching yeah, what did too. they lose what did they lose <laughs> i mean no you're right that, that's and that's <laughs> the lost. funniest part about the whole thing is like it's a jerry Maguire moment like who's coming with me like nobody dude like, nobody I, likes I, you. so one of one of our family's closest friends is a notre dame alumnus and uh we we were actually having supper over the weekend i said so how are y'all feeling about this and and his comment was he said you know marcus said, lived, didn't get any kids killed so he said he said, I've lived through a lot of coaches <laughs> since the times I was an undergraduate. So he said, the only thing is, is I'll say Freeman doesn't have any head coaching experience. And this is a hard place to have as your first job. He said, but, <laughs> you know, I was like, that's, that's the only reason that, you know, I guess you'd call it cautious optimism. Um, but so why not other, Georgia though? Why, why, why Alabama? And because I, I look at here, here's my, here's my thing. Um, I don't have any reason to respect Georgia. Okay. Like Georgia just doesn't, I don't hate Georgia. Yeah. They just don't mean anything. I respect to the nth degree what Nick Saban has accomplished at Alabama in the same way that I know it's popular to hate Bill Belichick and to try mm-hmm. to give all of Bill Belichick's successes to Tom Brady's transcendental, you know, greatness, which is not up for debate. He is the best to ever do it at that position. Yeah. But that doesn't mean Bill Belichick ain't the best to ever do it at his position either. Sure. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. And I think this year's Patriots team, you know, what he's done this year in bringing them back to, you know, some semblance of relevance is, is, is proof that the guy's legit. They were a good partnership for a reason. Nick Saban is the, I don't know how it's, how you could even question that he's the best to ever do it at the college level. He has so far surpassed what Bear, Bear Bryant accomplished. And, and, you know, a lot of people would have, would have said Bear Bryant was the great to ever, greatest to ever do it so far surpassed what any one of that generation has accomplished in, in my opinion. So I, I look and say, yeah, it annoys the bejeepers out of me that the sec gets all these mulligans and do overs and has every institutional advantage. And the system is stacked in their favor every single year that annoys me, but I can't hate Alabama for what they've accomplished. Cause they've, they've done it. They've walked the walk, you know, and, and, and I look at Ohio state's had their chances to beat them right just a year yeah. ago. Ohio state had its chance could have changed the narrative. Yep. And, yep. and, and Alabama earned Alabama earned it. They've earned it. Even at the time when I think, okay, they got an undeserved. Now this is where I would come back to when we were, you, you said, you think they even got the order, right? I, I quibble with that. I think Georgia, I think the only reason Georgia's ranked third is to avoid Alabama, Georgia being the, the first round matchup. 
Uh, I think, I think that's the only reason, because if you look, my feeling is actually, um, and I'd even go a step farther and say, I would have flip-flopped Michigan, Alabama. I would have given Michigan the one seed because Mm -hmm. Michigan has a better win and a better loss than Alabama. That's that's fair. I think that's fair. Now you could quibble and say, Georgia is a better victory for Alabama than Ohio state was for Michigan. I, I personally think Michigan has a better victory because Georgia to me now looks like a paper tiger looking at the way Alabama just absolutely whacks them. And they're really the only good team that Georgia played all year. Right. Because the sec East is hot, unadulterated garbage. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. No, that's, so, that's a very fair point. And, and, you know, kind of to your point earlier too, Georgia, you know, and sec teams in general benefit from getting that boost right at the yeah, beginning of the year. So and Georgia kind of ro- rode that wave. And I don't think George is bad, but I agree with you that um, uh, maybe a little bit overrated. I would say this, if an, if, if an unbeaten Michigan in the big 10 title game had lost to Iowa, mm-hmm. Michigan, well, they wouldn't getting, even be in the playoff. No, I mean, exactly right. So George is getting that sec gloss and the fact that they'd been talked up as the 85 right. bears all year. And right. now it's pretty obvious. They are th- that defense as good as it is, is not in fact the 85 bears because up until this week, the discussion had been, this isn't the same Alabama team that this Alabama team isn't as good as the one last year that everybody said, maybe the greatest team of all time and so on and so forth. Well, and so, it's not, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, all of these teams have some really interesting, um, deficiencies just yeah. because i mean especially i mean alabama is really fascinating to me because their running game is just not it you know what i mean it's 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 just not and it really good running game it's not even a good running game they have a very mediocre running game they just jamo just goes out there and, and you know catches 200 yards receiving every game and, and you know five touchdowns or whatever and they're fine but uh it's it's a beatable alabama team and that I think was what was shocking about the SEC championship game because I thought it would be a much closer game than that. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't. It just absolutely wasn't. And Which, you know, goes back to the greatness of Nick Saban because I look at that and say, you know, he always manages to get him to peak at the right time. Right. Exactly. He's kind of like Tom Izzo, right? Going to the yeah. like he knows oh, exactly yeah. what he needs to do, and he's going to get his team exactly where they need to be, and then they're going to just dominate at the end of the year. Um, and that's that's what great coaches do and what's interesting the other thing that i find interesting so you've got cincinnati and all this and i think a lot of people thought okay well houston's gonna trip up Cincinnati cruised man i mean like this is a their defense is legitimately really good and against the offenses the other three offenses like what is alabama's offense aside from their passing game right which can be a home run threat at all times that's terrifying but like Overall, they're not a really super scary offense. Georgia, obviously not. And then Michigan, Michigan might be the best offense right now. <laughs> you, you're looking at, if you're looking at who are the best two offenses, I think right now in the college football playoff, there's a really hard discussion that you would have to have about that because Michigan's offense is obviously playing like gangbusters right now. They figured out a formula that works really well for them. Cincinnati occasionally has a very good offense. Um, I don't know, man. This is just a very wide open playoff, and I'm excited to see how it kind of works out. And again, I don't want Michigan to win. I don't want them to win, but I also want whoever is within the sound of my voice to understand that they have a very good shot at it. And there is no dominant team in this thing. So maybe, I mean, that's, that's the other thing about the playoffs is that we've seen a lot of blowouts. I don't know that you'll necessarily see that this year. 
I think it's going to be a little bit closer than people think. Especially yeah, the- you know, I, I'm I'm assuming that the if I had to peg it now, and I want to get your take, like my my picks here. If I had to mail them in today, I would say yeah. Alabama over Cincinnati and and Michigan over Georgia. Uh-huh. Uh, and and my feeling here is that you know Cincinnati could keep it close. I, I think, uh, but at the same time seeing what they did to Georgia, it won't surprise me if Alabama steps on the accelerator and leaves them in the dust. And, sure. and, I, and, I, and I only say that just because it's Alabama and I saw what they did to a pretty good Ohio state offense last year and Ohio state's defense, you know, wah, wah, wah. the Cincinnati defense is certainly better uh, at least, you know, in terms of its cohesive execution and so on and so forth. than you know, we'll see. I, but, but if I had to mail in my picks today, I'm, I'm saying it's a final of Alabama versus Michigan. And I think Alabama gets the win, uh, mm. because it's Alabama and Nick Saban, we trust. All right. You had to call it and mail it in today. Who are your picks in those games? I think I would do the same thing as you. Uh, and I would say Alabama probably wins just be on the strength of that passing game. Like they'll, they'll figure out a way to weaponize that in a way that Ohio state did not against Michigan um, because really their Michigan's secondary still is not that great. And you don't I mean, expect you a bunch that. of questionable play calls offensively. And, no, uh... I think they'll, they'll have it nailed down much better <laughs> and figure out what they need to do to counter a guy like Hutchinson, Hutchinson and, you know, David Ojabo. And um, I don't know. It, it's not, it's not as clear cut. I think as you've seen in years past where it's like, we got to take down this giant. But I also think that, we know who these teams are at this at this point, even Cincinnati, right? Like there's, you know what they're going to do on offense and they mm-hmm. have a very solid defense. Um, I don't know. It, I, I agree with you though. I, I do think it's going to be Alabama, Michigan, and I would be fine with Alabama winning yet another title as long as it prevents Michigan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, now the thing is though, if that happens, if Ohio state, or excuse me, if Michigan ends up playing Alabama, you really got to hope that Alabama beats somebody like a hundred points because you don't want the, then Michigan fans coming back and saying, yeah, but we kept it closer than you guys. Yeah. Did. Yeah. Now, granted and, that, that is a disingenuous argument and to be stupid because obviously those are apples and oranges given the situation surrounding both games, but that's what I'm hoping for. And let's, let's get this out of the way right now, because I've read some social media chatter about this, uh, the nonsense of conference pride or conference rooting interest. Uh, like I might root for Cincinnati because they're from Ohio and yeah. I'm a proud Ohioan and that's and Luke fine. Fickle's cool. And Luke yeah. Fickle's cool. And there's some good players on that team and so on. Yeah. Anyone who is listening to this, who professes to have any relationship whatsoever to the Ohio state university who roots for Michigan in this game, Oh uh, you should just mail it out of here right now. Like turn in your card. You, you, we are, we are, we are exercising you from the universe. This is not, no, ever not. Okay. Never yeah. rooting for Michigan ever, 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 ever. Uh, and let me repeat ever. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, no, I, I don't want to, I, I would prefer that they get blown the hell out in the first round, obviously. But, um, you know, I, I, I want Georgia to hang like a hundred on I, them. I, I just can't stress enough. Like when I saw people talking about, oh, and it, and I think a lot of it was Michigan fans trolling Ohio State fans like you should be rooting for. No, ev- yeah. no, not OK. Yeah, I, you know, and, and Michigan fans can enjoy it. That's fine. Um, yes, I, yes, as well, they should as well. They should. They've earned the right to yeah. 
gloat and pound their chest and so on and so forth. But in Ohio State, no self-respecting Ohio State fan had better be rooting for that team in this game. Yeah. The other thing I'll say, though, is if you're talking about like coaching in the college football playoff, and we'll talk a lot more about it as we get closer. But if I'm a Michigan fan, I might I might be a little nervous (laughs) about that. (laughs) Like, I know I know a lot of them are just kind of, you know, trying to completely jettison the last, you know, seven years memory hole, the better part of a century. Yeah, they're they're well, not even part of. I'm just talking about like Jim Harbaugh's tenure. I mean, this is not a man with a great record against top ten opponents. I think right. he's three and thirteen. Even with the Ohio State win, he's like three and thirteen against top ten opponents. This is not a guy who has done a great job uh, in that particular department. So I'm just saying, if I'm a Michigan man, I, I might be a little bit more nervous going into this uh, than I've seen from some people on social media, but I will say their offense is humming. They're doing a great job on that. Um, and their defense of course is dominant. They got Aiden Hutchinson and they got some dudes who can, who can ball. So I don't know. It, like I said, it's a wide open playoff. I'm pissed that Ohio state is not a part of it. I think yes. it would have been cool, but, yes. um, yeah, I hope Michigan loses by 10,000 points. That would be my ideal scenario. Uh, so Ohio State will play in the Rose Bowl against Utah. The Utes making their just first appearance ever. Wow! In the Rose Bowl, which feels That's like kind of surprising. A, I'm, I didn't, it, I it, it is be the first. Yeah, I, this is their eleventh year in the Pac-12, as I understand it, and the first time they've made it to the Rose Bowl. So Ohio State has been here and done that. The Utes are going to be jacked up for their first appearance in the Granddaddy Mall, and the second ever meeting between the two programs. The previous matchup came way back in a regular season game a banger in 1986 nice ohio state won that one wait for it 64 to 6 oh youth's youth's been waiting for a long time to get revenge for that game that yeah yeah I, that's gotta be on the <laughs> that's gotta be on the bulletin board, <laughs> i'm sure that's stuck in the think. craw of all the players right now like, yeah ah, back 10 years before i was born Utah won the Pac-12, beating Oregon, a team that Ohio State played earlier this season, you may recall. It was a 38-10 outing in Las Vegas. Yeah, Utah is the number 14th ranked rushing offense. Maybe gives me a little bit of a heebie-jeebie feeling hearing that. Uh, they're a lot like Michigan, dude. Like, I'm, a, <laughs> it's not just their running game, right? Which is pretty good. Uh, they're really good at getting to the quarterback. They sack the hell out of their opponents. Now, granted, these are pack 12 opponents but a little um, different little different a little different but they are very very good at getting to the quarterback and they've got like 42 sacks on the season i think they're ranked something in like the top three or five nationally uh they're just good and so i, I you know if you are an ohio state thing like okay what did ohio state learn from the michigan you know debacle right what, it, what did ohio state kind of you know change or improve upon when it came to uh negating some of the pressure uh well we're gonna find out because utah is like i said very good at getting to the quarterback and making them pay um on the flip side though i you know don't have a great passing game themselves but then again neither did michigan and they still you know turned the screws on ohio state so yeah, this is definitely going to be like what have you learned maybe game? had a better passing game than i gave them credit for if that makes sense, I yeah. Well, I, they're I, very effective. What they do, they, they're not going downfield on you. But what they are doing is they're going to do these like you know kind of slant patterns and, and crossing routes and all that kind of stuff. And they, you know, McNamara is very accurate with that. So we'll see what uh what Utah is able to do. And I'm sure they'll look at that game as a template, right, for what they're going to yeah. try to do. Ryan so. Day says his team will be motivated. I 
like you probably have some questions about that for the reasons we covered at the top of the program. Um, Day said as much on Sunday that the goal we have here is to win championships. That's a goal we have in year out, year in, year out. We didn't reach that goal, but he went on to say we have an opportunity to go play in a tradition-rich Rose Bowl, and that means a lot. We'll find out how much it means, uh, and certainly we will break down the matchup more in the coming weeks. One area of obvious focus will be winning the line of scrimmage and getting a run game going. I think that's one that will play a huge um, role in deciding if Ohio state is effective or not. Can they, can they get there in four weeks time? Can they make the necessary improvements? And then, you know, the other piece of that is, can the defense get its act together enough to stymie that Utah attack you talked about? So hopefully they do and hopefully they've learned and we, they can set, you know, some precedent for 2022, which is wild because we live in the future and robots will eventually uh, replace us and play football instead. So that should be fun. Speaking of the future, let's shift our attention away from the Rose Bowl and Utah to other news related to Ohio State football and its future that or a future that is now not the future Quinn nah. Ewers, the Mopey mullet himself has entered the transfer portal said no. adios and via Candios Columbus. He has turned in his custom Ford pickup truck from our friends at Rikert and nah. said, I'm out of here. Peace out homies. Now I don't know about you, Johnny, this news did not surprise me in the least. Maybe no. the timing of it did, but I frankly never, I, I would have been more surprised if you ever played a meaningful down of football at Ohio state than I am that he's transferring no because as soon as it became apparent that cj stroud was really really good um you know and not going to relinquish that starting position then no i mean yours isn't going to sit around for years <laughs> and and hope for the chance to you know be able to throw the ball at a certain point yeah i, I yeah that was not a shock at all i mean you lose both him and jack miller so now you've got a a much lighter uh, quarterback room and I think maybe a little bit more manageable one in terms of in terms of future personnel but um no it, it's not a surprise it's not a shock it, it sucks to see him go but it's completely understandable and you know I I hope that he lands at a place where he is able to kind of showcase his skills and, and what he can do um because you know there's been transfers in the past and whatnot and it kind of feels like they get lost in the shuffle but for a guy that talented and obviously that highly rated you want to see him be able to strut his stuff a little bit. So I would like to see him selfishly. I would like to see him kind of at a place that's like a little smaller. I know people are talking about like Texas tech. I don't think he'll actually ultimately end up there, but um, you know, that would be a cool landing spot, I guess, for him. I think where he's like the sole focus of everything, that would be kind of cool to see how good he can actually be when he's like kind of the dude, uh, as opposed to going to Texas, which I don't know why you would, but you know, Texas might be back eventually. Sure. <laughs> Someday. It's yeah. Good. I mean, and maybe, and maybe he feels that he's the guy to do it. I don't know, but I'm just saying, I, I, I just hope he doesn't get lost in the, the shuffle. You know what I now, mean? I want him to see, see him play and strut his stuff a little bit. I know people who worry about this sort of thing. And, and I'll admit that I sort of am a throwback to the day where you learned a guy's name about his third year on the roster when he finally cracked the two deep. So I, you know, I'm not one who's been hyperventilating about a team for the past three years or, you know, however long this, that recruiting cycle has been going on. Uh, I'll be frank. My spidey stints started tingling with this cat reclassified to take advantage of the NIL rules. And not that I begrudge anyone the opportunity to make money. Certainly I do not. I'm a card carrying capitalist. So go ring the cash register when you can, 
but I guess it does give me pause that this game that we love and my university in particular might be used as little more than a punchline and a payday uh, for, you know, some kid who clearly Ohio state doesn't mean anything to Quinn Ewers. And I don't think it ever did. Uh, and that's not a knock on him. He's not from Ohio. He do, you know, he doesn't have any ties to the university. It's not like, Oh, dad played there, that sort of thing. So I don't expect him to have any sort of feelings for Ohio state that like you or I might as sons sure. of the state. But it, but it does give me pause, you know, that whole saga. And, and I often think, you know, back to other, we could be talking about uh, the Tater himself, Tate Martell, or, you know, some of these, some of these kids uh, that come in with all this hype and all this expectation, and, and in some cases, all this drama, when does it ever really work out? You know, that's, uh, that, that's my question. I think about some of the, I think we could be talking about the Torrance Gibson saga, you know, there's just, how, yeah. when does it ever, when does it ever work out? You know, that somebody that comes in with, some drama like that i guess you could I say, you terrell, could say Pryor. Maybe, terrell Pryor. Yeah, i was gonna say tpz but yeah it's usually that's the sign of somebody looking for something that they may not necessarily get at any one spot you know what i mean like it, it to me there's a lot of drama it's kind of like maybe college is just one of those things where wherever they're at is going to be lacking for what they expect um and I don't think I don't think yours was bringing a whole lot of drama himself. I mean, I didn't see him. I, I'm just talking about the reclassification and the you know that it was clearly yeah. about the whole reason for doing that was the money. You know, I think sure. I think if if Texas, you know, the state of Texas, not allowing kids to do NIL at the high school level, and I can't blame them for that, frankly. But you know, that kind of hosed Ohio State in in this process because oh yeah, absolutely. A senior in high school. And, you know, Ryan Day said as much back in September that yours uh, was having a hard time or had had a hard time. And you think about, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Kid comes to Columbus. He ought to be studying for his senior midterms or, you know, whatnot. And instead, right. here he is trying to learn a college offense and, and figure out how to live life in the big city and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. I don't begrudging the fact that he, uh, you know, allegedly or ostensibly uh, cashed a couple million dollars worth of checks for... <laughs> His various NIL deals and equity in a, you know, a new kombucha chain and whatever else. Uh, my question, I guess, out of all this, Johnny, because Ohio uh -huh. State's obviously just fine. They picked up the commitment of four-star former USC commit Devin Brown, pretty mm -hmm. good quarterback out of Utah, ironically enough. And certainly with uh, Kyle McCord still in the hopper, you know, they're, they're going to have more than enough talent in the room. Yeah, it's not the 17 four or five star quarterbacks they had in the room this year but you know they've they've got they've got enough bodies in the room i think it's fine stroud obviously is in my opinion best to do it um and we'll talk more about stroud a little bit later on my question is with nil as part of the calculus and seeing the great number of athletes in the transfer portal over the past couple of years does the transfer rule need to be reevaluated again to find some sort of, you know, Goldilocks in the middle where we're neither being overly punitive and making them stay somewhere they don't want to be or, or, you know, shouldn't be versus not just having totally open free agency all the time? Yeah, I, I mean, I understand your point, and, and it's not that's not what you want, right? Like you don't want kids just bumping around from college to college. Cause that's not really good for anybody. Um, but on the other hand, I don't know how you put that genie back in the bottle. I don't, mm. you know, especially, I mean, I know that's a big, 
sticking point for a lot of college coaches right now, but I don't know. It's, it's an interesting question because I really don't know what you do as an alternative. And I, I think that, you know, maybe you can say, okay, you got to stay a year at a school or something like that. But, um, and that's by the way, what we do in the, you know, the non-revenue sports, yeah, you get you get one one right. you get a one time and then you gotta wait kind of yeah thing. and There's I don't like I don't one... think that's necessarily a bad thing. I, I think college football is unique just because of the nature of recruiting and, and what that looks like and how coaches change hands so often. I mean we in the cascading effect of coaches, you know, Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame for LSU and then Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma, like the cascading effect of everything down the line, you know, Brett Venables and all that stuff. Like to me, it, it feels like it's so unrestricted for coaches and the way that changes so much that it's hard for me to tell a player like, Hey man, sorry. I know you built this relationship with your position coach and he said he would be your best friend until you die, but uh, he's gone. And <laughs> <laughs> you're just going to have to deal with it. Like, I don't, I don't really know how you can constrict given the ability of coaches to be so free about where they're going to go, because that that's something they take full advantage of now. And the insanity and, of this off season is absolutely exhibit one, two, three, four, and five for the argument you're making. Brian Kelly yeah. leaves Notre Dame, a team that by the way, could very well have been in the college football playoff. Yeah. They, I mean, there, there's an argument to be made that they should have been in instead of either Georgia, maybe less. So certainly not Cincinnati, given the, uh, you know, the head to head there, yeah. but, but there was an argument to be made there that, Hey, maybe they should get in instead of Georgia, but yep. he left Dodge, not knowing his team might, you know, Marcus Freeman, instead of coaching in a new year six game very well, you're right. So that leads to Lincoln Riley, uh, or, or is related at the same time and Lincoln Riley getting the heck out of Norman and heading to USC. You've got, uh, then the, you know, the, the cascade effect, as you referred to it, Clemson defensive coordinator, Brent Venables, and clearly some Clemson defensive players and recruits were yeah, sure, uh, yeah. none too happy about that based yeah. on social media reaction Miami firing Manny Diaz uh, a son of the program yeah uh, scion of the city they hurl him on out on his butt and bring in Mario Cristobal uh, yep. who which I think is a fantastic hire for them but now Oregon's going to be looking at it you know so these dominoes keep falling maybe earlier due to the early signing period that to me is the one that clearly needs a relook the the signing, early, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. The early signing period has forced the silly season to get sillier sooner mm -hmm. because these schools are all saying, Hey, we got to have our guy before the early signing period. We, you yeah. want, you're Miami. You need Mario Cristobal down there now. Right. So and, you can go to all the high schools and shake hands. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's got to happen. So that to me is one that has to be real. Yeah, I don't, and I don't what's know what's happened this off season is dumb. Right. And I don't know what's actually gained from that too. I mean, I understand that if a player wants to commit, they can, but it's, if they're committed, then they're committed and they can just tell other, you know, coaches and schools to, you know, go to hell and stop talking to me. But um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that exacerbates a lot of the issues that you see. And I do think that needs to be re re The thing on the transfer portal, you know, you talked about like, how do you tell a kid you can't when the coach so very clearly can uh, this will make some head spin. I think, you know, we're quickly approaching between NIL um, and some of the stupid money we see going. These coaches are now rapidly becoming $10 million men. 
Yeah. Uh, which is <laughs> nuts. You're signing $100 million contract. Absolutely insane. Um, I think maybe now it's we're coming to a point where those kids at Northwestern have the right idea that some collective bargaining would because then you know you had some sort of collective bargaining for how all these revenues might be better and more equitably distributed uh, yep. distributed then maybe there you put some hooks in and thinking about this as a fan who has pretty typically been opposed to quote-unquote paying the players um i was happy with nil I, as a as a sort of you know goldilocks solomon cut the baby in half solution to the paying the players problem sure. let them go and let them go and make their own money that's that that i think is a good thing Maybe if there is some sort of, of collective bargaining arrangement um, and we actually more than tacitly acknowledge what these players really are to the university, then maybe you can put some teeth in having a less free agent like transfer yeah. policy transfer. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta maybe be then it's more take. equitable, right? Right. Then right. maybe there, it can be more equitable. I don't know what the answer is, uh, but I'm what, what's happening now with coaches and with athletes I I don't know how sustainable it is for the long run. Yeah, I no, I agree with that. And I, I do think that you're going to see a situation where there's just no, it, it's going to be such a race to the top with how much money people can throw at both players and coaches. And it's always been like that, or it hasn't always been like that, but it's been like that for a long time, but this is just accelerating it. And I agree. There's got to be some kind of like way to pump the brakes just a little bit. Um, I, I don't know how you do that necessarily, especially when you've got what 120 plus programs all kind of trying to do the same thing. But um, yeah, th there's got to be something in place to kind of slow it down just a little bit. And I, I, I think the early signing period, that's something that has to be taken a look at. And then, you know, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I mean, collective bargaining, like you said, is maybe a good idea. And then they can kind of enter into a contract. And then there that... clearly has to be some carrot on the end of that, you know, like yeah. I'm making an assumption that a what I'm calling collective bargaining, there's going to be some money on the table. Right. And oh, by the way, you know, back to the Miami example, uh, the thing that blew my mind is reading some reporting from the athletic. You know, Miami, University of Miami has typically not been spending obscene amount of money. No. here in in recent history on its football program you you look they're paying i think manny diaz nine million dollars to buy him out of his contract they're paying cristobal or playing oregon paying oregon eight or nine million to get him out of his contract and they're paying cristobal nine million a year something along those lines that money apparently came from the med center which banked record profits last year <laughs> due to our old friend the coronavirus it, you know if we're not truly on the darkest timeline with regard to the obscene amount of money and it wasn't but a year ago that these athletic departments were all hemorrhaging cash, laying off or flat out firing athletic department staffers. You know, no, we're not talking about coaches clearly, but mm -hmm. uh, assistant associate athletic directors of, you know, player happiness and things were going by the wayside. And now you're paying these coaches nine and $10 million a year. Uh, you know, that's not a great look. No, it's not. No, especially like you mentioned, especially now it's not a great look. So We'll see how it shakes out. Uh, I think after this off, well, after December, after the bowl games are complete and after the championship, it'll be, and we can kind of ascertain and, and kind of take stock about where all the coaching changes happen, how much money you guys were getting. I, I think that's when you kind of sit back and reflect and, and make some choices. But um, does, does Ryan Day get a new contract? I was about to say, yeah. I mean, of course he does. Because if you look in terms how, of how do you, but, but I got to stop you there. I mean, I, I agree with you. It's going to happen. 
but how does he, how do you give him a new contract with more money when you miss the playoff and lose to your rival? Because you have to, (laughs) I agree. I agree. You have to, I I agree. No, I I know what you're saying. I would be, I would be frosty as a a, a Wendy, Wendy's, Wendy's dessert. If I were Gene Smith right now, having to have this conversation. No, right. No, exactly. Because of idiocy at Michigan State and these other schools, you know, like you're going to have to give this guy $9 million. Yeah. That's, and that's in a season where he missed the, the, you know, the three goals on the table, beat Michigan, win the Big Ten, get to the playoff. Yeah. And you're over it. And, and, and he's still going to command a huge salary because that's just what's happening right now with coaches' salaries right now in college football so i don't i mean i agree with you i mean <laughs> you want it to be based on performance and wins and that's not what's going to happen but he absolutely mm-hmm. is going to get a new contract and he's going to get bumped up significantly let's close the book on quinn ewers for a minute is there anything ohio state should have done differently in that situation did ohio state was was there anything well if they play quinn ewers from the beginning of the season they would be you know undefeated in the playoff i mean i am so, sure I mean, there is a message board genius out there who has made that <laughs> argument um you know i guess my answer to the question would have been to tell him to bugger off when he wanted to reclassify um but yeah. i have you heard i mean is, is ohio state getting any criticism from the nattering nabobs out there for how i don't think so i mean I, how else would you have handled it I, I think they did everything that they could have done i mean maybe bring him in during garbage time and say hey kid you're the next up but like He's not stupid. He's, you know, he sees what's going on with, uh, with CJ Stroud and how dominant he's being, and he's not going to play anytime soon. So, I mean, it's, if he's a guy who re- is re- reclassifying, at least in part because of NIL, but also in part because he believes in his own abilities, then he wants to play as soon as possible. And that's just not going to happen at Ohio State. Ohio um, State now if, well, if CJ Stroud had come in and stunk up the joint, right? And then, okay, Quinn, yours like, well, I'm here, put me in coach. And then they do that. Then he stays and everything's great. Uh, but that obviously didn't happen. So I, you know, I think that was always going to be the case. If CJ Stroud came in and was successful, then yours is gone. And that's just the way it was going to be. Yeah. So Ohio state defensive back, Craig young entered the transfer portal as well. This one maybe got a little less buzz. Uh, this one caught my attention for a couple of reasons. One, you know, young why was it young playing linebacker uh, again? Yeah. I mean, he doesn't look like a safety to, no. to me. Uh, I don't think he's going to play safety wherever he goes next. And then that coupled with the fact that Ohio state's best linebacker was actually a running back gives me uh, this question. Why haven't I seen any announcements about Ohio state's defensive coaching changes yet? Is it as simple as it'll happen after the bowl game or were you expecting some news about mm. who's going to be on this staff by now? I don't think it'll happen after the bowl game. I think they got to move on that more quickly. But, um, well, it may happen after the bowl game. I don't think it should happen after the bowl game, I guess is what I'm saying. But I, I think part of it, too, is maybe they're just waiting for like some things to kind of shake out in terms of their own staff um, and see, you know, if anybody decides to retire or take another job or do interviews or things, you know, when you say retirement, that makes me nervous. Cause that, you know, LJ is the guy that I think of as most likely to just flat sure, out but retire. Even Kerry Combs could retire. I mean, he's I mean, not, he could, you know, but he seems like a guy to me that still wants to coach. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, Manny Diaz looking for a job <laughs> that would be, I mean, I wouldn't hate that. Um, I, I noticed that temple, uh, has a head coaching 
vacancy yeah. now. I, <laughs> Come on back, buddy. Somehow I don't think they're going to run that one back uh, a second time. No, I don't think so either. But, you know, there is obviously the coaching carousel going on, and I do think Ohio State needs to be proactive when it comes to that. So hopefully in the next week or two, you start to hear or see some movement on that kind of stuff. Because, you know, again, you want you want the Rose Bowl to be the Rose Bowl. and Everybody's getting ready for it. But the reality of the situation is, as we just talked about, is that December, you got to make moves. And uh, there's times of wasting. So hopefully they get on that sooner than later. All right, it is time for Ask Us Anything, your favorite part of the program and mine. A good time to remind you that the 11 Dubcast is brought to you by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. Hats, t-shirts, stickers, still plenty of time to get your orders in for the holidays. Visit drygoods.11warriors.com. All the things you need for the discerning Ohio State fan in your life. Johnny, what do you got in the mailbag this week? So you can send us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com and you can ask us literally anything because we like to answer literally anything. And this is from uh, Mike, uh, Ohio State alum, 2011, uh, also in the marching band, uh, the best nice. band in the land. So congrats on that. That's awesome. Mike wants to know, uh, basically, so he says Cardell Jones and Tyvis Powell were uh, on uh, like a podcast today talking about the toughness of Ohio State and basically how they've kind of lost what they had in 2014. And uh, on Monday, uh, as of him writing this about a week ago, he said that uh, Michigan's offensive coordinator said Ohio State is not a tough team, but they're a finesse team. So I guess what he's asking here is, you know, did Ohio State kind of lose a modicum of toughness? Are they are they not as uh, gritty, grinded out as they used to be to kind of win games where you need to establish, especially the running game, right, against Oregon, Michigan, things like that? Yeah, I think that, I mean, the reason that we, that we say that is because you're looking at an offense that has gone away from its core DNA of being a run first football team. And, and I think if you were looking at a team that was still making the choice to bash people in the nose and then pass the ball, right. We wouldn't be having the conversation. I mean, I think that's really what it's all about. I, and, and, you know, it was interesting when you and I talked with Kyle Jones, uh, on the program after the Michigan game, you know, we talked about this question of toughness and he had a, he had a slightly different, he said, you know, people hear that and they immediately think about that, you know, sort of grit and gravel right. and, and, you know, spit in your eye and the piss and vinegar, but he talked about it being more about technique and, you know, particularly with the linemen uh, and, and how they played the position. He had a, a slightly different definition of toughness. Uh, I, you know, to me, we're going to see how tough this team is when they play in the Rose bowl. Yeah. Uh, I, I certainly have questions, you know, you, you lost and it wasn't all that close to the two good teams you played this year. And that's not to say the teams they beat. I mean, sure. There were some, there were some good wins in there, but look, I mean, you struggled with Nebraska, which you and I called the, 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 the best worst, the best awful team in America. You know, mm-hmm. you struggled against Penn state, which is, you know, not playing in a pick in, in, in a, uh, New York, New Year's six bowl game you blew out Michigan, you know, Michigan state. Was that the, you know, was that a fluke was, you know, w- will the real Ohio state please stand up, I guess. Um, so maybe, maybe some of that is toughness, but I think we'll see how tough this team is now that I, there is in your words, you know, like it's, there's, there's no real stakes to this Rose Bowl right. game. I think we're going to find out how tough are they? Do they, do they step up, you know, strap it on for pride? Cause that's what you're playing for now. Mm-hmm. pride legacy you know the old alma mater and and doesn't matter if they go in looking like you know a bunch of prima donnas who've already punched out in favor of the draft then you know yeah yeah they lost it they're, they're not a tough team but if they go in 
and play like the game matters, then I, you know, I'll, I'll maybe believe a little bit. Yeah. I think, you know, to me, it's, it's easy to conflate toughness with uh, motivation. I think all these guys are tough. I think they're all very tough and they can assert their will on teams when they want to. I, I just think a lot of it is, you know, what's their level of give a damn. And, and when it's high, I mean, I think they can be a terrifying team and really scary, but I think they also need to be consistent with that. So I agree with you when the Rose bowl comes around, we'll see what that level of motivation is. And then if they win by 50, like, Oh, that's a tough team. If they don't, then, you know, people will question it, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, this next one's from a good friend, Alvin, who wants to know very simply the best pizza in Columbus. I'm a, a big fan of Bexley pizza plus. Now part of that's because we live in Bexley and there are, a truckload of really nice pizza joints in, in Bexley. Uh, yeah. We're within walking distance of a place called Harvest that does really good, really good kind of more hipster type pizza. Um, there's a classic place called Rubino's that has a really unique, like almost like cracker thin crust. Like it's, it, you can, can almost like break it. It's so like, it's a real, I don't know. Yeah, how to it. does that too. Yeah. It's, it's really unique. Um, so, you know, those are, so the, those are my favorites, but Bexley pizza plus, uh, you know, local joint, they do kind of a classic thin crust square slices, truckload of toppings. Their sauce is fantastic. They're that that's a really legit pizza. That's, a, that's our go-to here at our house. Um, you know, campus nostalgia wise, I was always a fan of Tommy's. Well, actually my favorite when I was on campus, frankly, was catfish Biff's. Um, I really okay. loved catty B's, but Tommy's, we, we went to Tommy's a lot. Yeah. I, there's a lot of good pizza choices. Oh, ooh. you know, the other one that I really love. God, I gave, God, if the stunning Mrs. Vance was listening while we were taping. She'd hand me my head. Mikey's late night slice. We oh, love yeah. Mikey's great, great, great place. One of our favorite things to do, like date night type things. We get um, we go to the symphony. We <laughs> that's sort of incongruent, but um, we love the Columbus Symphony Orchestra. We have one of the best symphonies in the country uh i love the city of columbus and we have so many great things our symphony is fantastic so we would love to get dolled up get you know get uh get our our sunday go to meet and clothes on and go downtown dinner at mikey's late night slice so you're going you know in a cocktail gown and suit and tie to to mikey's get a get get uh, some pizza and some they're really great pepperoni chips and uh you know maybe a maybe a foamy pop uh adult molded beverage to wash it down with and then off to the symphony for some culture like that nice that's a great night out on the town that sounds like a great night really um is. i like i said i think i think there's a ton of really good pizza in columbus and i try to try different things when we can because it's it's fun to kind of just see all the different styles and whatnot uh I've always been a really big fan of hound dogs um, when they, when it's good and the people making it are like, you know, aware that they're <laughs> making food, <laughs> uh, which it's not always the case, but when they are, uh, it's very good. And you get the smoking Joe's crust and it's just, everything is, works incredibly well on that pizza. I love it. Uh, pizza house. Very good up there near Worthington. I love pizza house. It's, it's a very excellent. Now I will say, I don't, they do the Italian sausage thing where it's just like the thin slices and it looks like desiccated meat and it, you know, in the shape of like a post-it, it's just, it's not good, but all their other toppings are fantastic. Get the meatballs, uh, meatball toppings really good. Um, I like Borgata. Borgata is a really good one, uh, recently that I had, it's kind of like a New York slice kind of thing um that i really you know, really they enjoy. talk about that a lot on the the local radio station and i've i've never had it but i mean they really they're they really so they got the new york style and then i had like the pizza margarita and i was like damn this is 
like they got heirloom tomatoes on it was really really good it that's probably the best pizza i've had that singular pizza is probably the best pizza i've had in like the past year um now i've had subsequent pizzas that weren't quite as good but from borgata but still really really good uh but i i guess if i'm still going to put it up there i say hound dogs is still probably my favorite um just because when it's on it's the best and i love what they do with their crusts so many places neglect that um but yeah there's there there really just aren't there is no scarcity of options if you like one type of pizza you're gonna find a place here that makes it and does it yeah you i mean you could literally we we talk about this all the time you could literally have a different pizza joint every night of the week and oh yeah maybe not repeat for you know a couple weeks yeah and and not have and not have a bad experience no there's so much great stuff and i love that about columbus i think that's awesome so um yeah i I would oddly enough there really isn't like there's not a i don't think you know like a a columbus style pizza for all of you know because you i don't think so there's there's like the boatload of really good pizza joints in this town yeah there's like you know people like try to say that the midwest like the the party cut right the squares is like kind of a columbus thing is it i think that's stretching the definition a little bit. Huh. I don't. I know just supposed that. everywhere did. I mean, I, I, that and and oddly, like, how do you feel about square cut or you know what? I, oh, I, I like never square heard, cut. I'm all. I never heard that. it called party cut, but like that's my preference. Yeah, I think. It's I don't good. know why, but I especially if it's a thinner crust, which yeah. is what like the Midwest kind of thing is, the Ohio thing. Like, I I'm cool with that. And, you know, Donato's right is kind of like the the template for it. Um, yeah, I like Donato's. You know, as far as chain pizzas go, Donato's good yeah i yeah but that's what i'm saying like i think that's kind of like the template for what people think about and i didn't realize donato's was mostly a midwest thing for some reason i I I didn't either i just supposed it was a national chain yeah but you you try like oh well they don't have this everywhere yeah but to put a bow on this just real quick i would say that um if people i mean you know you know about hound dogs i know pretty much anybody listening to this probably knows that hound dogs exist but if you haven't had pizza house i recommend trying pizza house if you haven't had borgata i recommend trying that one as well especially their margarita pizza which is the bomb so i'm I'm on it because you got a couple i haven't had so and uh i know some people like with the wizard of Zaw. it's fine i i think it's it's a better adriaticos um but it to me it's not in that top tier you know i never got into adriaticos uh you know i i really like tommy's i know there's some shared dna there or whatnot but I, i never got yeah I never got into Adriatico. Yeah, it's never, not my favorite. My thing. I don't yeah. like the sauce. And it gets... It, problem with Adriaticos is that it goes bad really quickly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the the cheese congeals really fast. It's not a good... It's not a good, like, day after pizza. Um, you gotta eat it quick. So, it's okay. Uh, all right, last question here. This is from Evan, who just wants to know, based on what you two Southern Ohio boys have said in the past about Cincinnati football fans, mostly me, sorry, uh, <laughs> who are you going to be rooting for in the semifinal matchup? And uh, I'm just, you know, I'll say straight up, like, you know what? Here's the thing, though. I, I would be okay with Cincinnati beating Georgia just because that would maybe prove to the committee that non-Power 5 teams deserve to have a look at it. I don't want to see them get blown out. I want to see them give a good game or win that game. And then I don't want them to win a championship, uh, which I guess would necessitate for my sanity, Alabama winning another championship, but I would be okay with Cincinnati winning against Georgia. Um, I just really don't want Michigan to win. I'm, I'm absolutely rooting for Cincinnati. Uh, if nothing else for Luke fickle, you know? Yeah. And that would be cool as hell, Uh, especially. And I gotta say as somebody who watched that 2011 season up real close and personal, uh, you know, going to practices and, and, you know reporting on games at the stadium to see that transformation to see that dude from that season 
now coach in the playoff is it's kind of amazing because yeah he was not ready <laughs> and and to see the amount of work and, and improvement that he's made as a head coach is kind of amazing so more power to him i think that's awesome future head coach of the ohio state university maybe i mean you never. i mean you never know what's gonna happen with ryan day but maybe i mean that's I think that's a position he would eventually take uh, if it were open for him. And there, there aren't probably a whole lot of potential landing spots for him. So yeah, I I'd say that's, that's definitely something he would. Yeah, look at. Not a whole lot of potential landing spots because places he would be willing to go. Yeah. He if, wants to stay if, in the Midwest. Yeah. That's what he, I he think you mean. I want to make sure not, somebody didn't think you were saying people wouldn't want him to come. No, no, no. I, I think a lot of places him. would want him to come coach there. Yeah. There's not, not a lot of places he's to, willing to go. He's not going to Oregon is my point. He wasn't a candidate for USC because he didn't want to go to yeah, that Los Angeles. Right. right. So right. that's not him. So he would rather, much rather stay in the Midwest, which more power to him. That's great because Midwest is cool. Um, but yeah, maybe we'll see. I mean, he's still a pretty young dude. He's got a lot of coaching ahead of him. All right. That's going to do it for ask us anything. Great, uh, great questions. Um, good, good job audience. Keep them coming. We love it. The off season is nigh. So, you know, keep them fast and furious. Yeah. A couple of things, quick cows as we wrap this thing up and head it back toward the barn, Ohio state playing shooty hoops and you know, yeah, not doing too bad, not doing too bad. The Buckeyes knock off the number one Duke Blue Devils. Coach K is like winless in the Schottenstein Center. And if you read reports from Duke beat writers, the shot was an intimidating environment. And part of the reason Duke lost that game. No, it was by beating hard. I mean, if you're watching that game, you're like, where the hell is this? <laughs> what are they like? What is what is going on right now? Yeah, absolutely. It was a, it was a bumping environment. It was great. Fans were super into it. And what I thought was amazing about the Duke game, I mean, if you look at the halftime score, right? Duke's up by 13. Like, all right, no, I'm not, I'm not invested in this. No, and I then, thought they were I thought they were toast. No, not only not even halftime, like two-thirds of the way through the second half, Duke was still basically in control of the game. And then they just went dead ass cold, and Ohio State kind of played some lockdown defense. They kept plugging away and doing their thing. It wasn't like a, a situation where Ohio State all of a sudden was hitting like bombing threes out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yes, Zed Key giving you, I think, 20 points is not something you can rely on on a regular basis, but they just played their game and they let, you know, they waited for Duke to slip. And when Duke slipped and they weren't hitting the baskets, they just stepped on them and they they ended up winning the game. Um, and it's, it's kind of remarkable because I think that's the way a lot of Chris Holtman teams uh work they 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 have their thing they're going to do their thing and they're going to hope that that wins the game and it it, against duke it did so that that was that game that was was a fun game i enjoyed that quite a bit that game was the perfect example of of the reality that things will go as well as ej liddell's supporting cast right go during the game you know if, if if the pieces around him can can add something zed key perfect example there you know liddell's gonna get his uh there's you know that guy's that guy's legit but you know, the flip side of that is if, you know, if Zed's not having, if Kyle Young's fouling out, if Aaron's can't hit the ocean, right. uh, you know, then, then you're going to have some ugly games and, and right. that Florida but, game in the, the Florida game in the tournament there, that, that little preseason tournament deal yeah, is a great example of that. They should have won that game. Florida shot 30 some percent, you know, they were a hot mess and Ohio state let them hang around, dillywhacked around and didn't, you know, couldn't, 
couldn't close it out. That, right. that was a game they should have won. And if they had, you know, then you see Ohio State, I think, maybe up in the top 15 or something along those lines. Right now, they're 21 in the AP poll. Right. On the backs of, but conversely, just to, to add to your point, though, real quick, on the other, on the flip side of that, right, against Penn State, you beat Penn State. Um, in part because Kyle Young goes four for four from three, right? Yes, like, yes, right. Which is, I mean, that's that's the kind of contribution that you want to see from a guy, especially coming off the bench, uh, which is wild um, for him to be able to do that. I mean, for him to be able to do that is is wild. But you know, coming off the bench is a hard thing to do uh, when you're asked to like kind of contribute that much to the offense, and he did. And and so I agree with you one hundred percent. It really is how much is EJ Liddell going to get around him? He's going to be great every night. That's that's awesome. How much is the supporting cast going to contribute? And against Penn State, against Duke, a lot. And it worked out. And they, you know, they look like a pretty dangerous team when the guys around Liddell can, you know, take some heat off of them and play good defense and find some kind of scoring. I mean, it's, it's not consistent, but it's good enough to beat the number one team in the country, which again, Ohio State as a program best all time out of all other programs they most most defeats of number one teams ever which is hilarious to me i love it that is. ohio state is basically basketball purdue that's great they, they are yeah Good that's for exactly them. the analogy basketball purdue it's crazy one more thing before we close this uh this edition of the dubcast cj stroud the quarterback for the ohio state university named a finalist for the 2021 heisman trophy i don't Yay. think this should be a great surprise I also don't think he's going to win it. I think no. Bryce Young sewed that up in the SEC championship game. Uh, God bless Jameson Williams for giving that guy, which, you know, I say that facetiously because CJ Stroud had 47 future NFL wide receivers to throw right. to this year. But Stroud was sitting at home watching football while Young was out there winning a conference title. So I think it's his trophy to lose. But uh, happy that CJ Stroud getting that recognition. And, you know, it's not a bad thing when you've had what you're three uh straight quarterbacks to be heisman finalists yeah we had a pretty good run under ryan day of yeah that's that's definitely something to put on the recruiting sheet you know what i mean like this is if you want to if you want to try to win a heisman come to ohio state um as a quarterback so it's it's it'll be nice to see him uh you know at the ceremony and whatnot you're right he's not going to win um i would hope that this year maybe the you know Heisman committee, we get a little more creative with their nominees. I know Aiden Hutchinson is is one of the finalists, which is nice because he he was fantastic all season. But and had a Heisman worthy game against Ohio State. Oh God, yes, dude was. I mean, he was insane. The best Um, team they played. But I will also say that you know, Indomitian Sue should have won it the year that he was he was up for it. And after that, I was like, there's no way these jerks because that that was a situation where that dude was doing that every game and the the committee was still like now nah, let's give it to like a running back or something like that so i just well I, you I, know I, for the better part of the the millennium what it's been you know the quarterback of the best right. playoff contending team after the regular season kind right of thing so and i would say in terms of overall excellence there are a lot of players who potentially could deserve it but as you said i mean they weren't they weren't playing for alabama and a you know conference championship so they're not going to get the same look yeah i mean garrett, garrett, garrett wilson you know there's a guy that you know in, in another world gets yeah. consideration i to, to me he may be uh he, he's not going to win the Blitnikov because he wasn't a finalist for it um right. but you know to me that guy you're talking about being you know the best player 
Who, who's the best player on Ohio State's team this year? Because you've got an argument to be made. Oh, that's hard. You know, um, I mean, you've got an argument to be made for you know, three, four guys, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I think CJ Stroud obviously has a, a pretty strong claim to that as well, just given the season that he had. Yeah, but absolutely. In terms of excellence at their position, there, like you said, there's a ton of dudes that you could look at. So I don't know. I just want the committee, to, I want the people making those nominations, whatever, to kind of figure out how to reward excellence as a positional player rather than excellence as a team effort, because that's really what the Heisman supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about who is individually just dominating their sport. And it's usually not that yeah. that's usually not the criteria. Three quarterbacks and a defensive end, you know, CJ Stroud, Bryce young from Alabama pit quarterback, Kenny Pickett. And as you mentioned, Michigan pass rusher, Aiden Hutchinson, did you see that pit game, that uh, little fake slide number that threw in there? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. So yes, I did. And that's, that's funny because that is exactly the kind of like Dick move that college football is, is made for. Um, is that a Dick move though? I mean, I yeah, thought that because was, he should, that was when he starts to initiate the slide, like that's essentially, he's, he you a, know, he just kind of should, be, you should toe, be considered like, down. They really initiate the slide. I mean, he just sort of he, drags that toe. You know, he it clearly was premeditated to make the the. Oh, defense. I agree with you that it was premeditated, but right, like, but that's me, my point. Like because that, they have how's that up. any different from any other trick play? Because they know, have to give up. Like on other trick plays, the defense can continue to, yeah. to play. On, on that particular play, they have to stop. They, they I think I think to choice. me, he was just on the right side. Of, oh no, like, I love it. I'm he, not. He I'm was, not yeah, he I'm was, not hating on it at all. It was kick ass. Yeah, there were saying, there were like, some nattering nabobs. They're like, oh, you know, they're getting up in their feelings about it. And, and no, to no, me, no. like it was great. He it did just great. little enough that um, yeah. I, you know, like if he had gone if if he had gone any further into the slide, then yeah, it's it's clear. Right. But like to me, that was just like just enough to make the defender flinch, but not so much that yeah. oh you throw the flag in. no in, in i love it because opinion. he clearly practiced it which is hilarious and then also because uh it worked as well as it did i mean he scored a touchdown on it so i think it's hilarious and awesome but i also think that in the future if somebody tries that they gotta get flagged or I, they gotta be counted as down because like i said that the, the it relies on the defender assuming that they have to stop playing which is not really in the spirit of the game but for that particular play it was hilarious and awesome and great and i 100 applaud it it was and i probably didn't have any real strong feelings about it other than how cool is that because uh one of my teams was not involved in yeah exactly game, so you know i could be just very happy about it and move right. on <laughs> exactly all right that's gonna do it friends this is a great uh episode we're gonna take as much joy as we can in college football for the few more weeks that we have it even if the team uh about which we wax philosophical every week is not playing for the college football playoff. I'm happy we're going to the Rose Bowl. It'll be great. Good times are had by all. I'm, I'm a little disappointed we haven't swung, you know, a live uh, recording from Pasadena, but, you know, maybe, <laughs> season, maybe next season. Let's get, let's get B-dubs to pay for our airfare lodging. I'll like you know, it. I think that'll work. Run that past the sales department because I'm all you know? about it, my friend. Great episode, Johnny. Well done as always. Until next time, friends, I'm Andy. I'm Johnny. Thanks for tuning in to the 11 Dubcast.